0: just send us an email use the contact button on our website retirementunlimited.com or just give our office a call our phone number is 951-684-7011
1: welcome to the TriCord advisors podcast and radio show we are talking today about something that we hear from clients all the time and we want to have this conversation openly with our listeners is is people have a concern and a fear that they either come to themselves or they hear on the radio or on TV or the talking heads is that the U.S. is doomed, that the U.S. dollar is going to fall out of favor and the world's going to fall apart. And there's some of these things that, you know, we don't know the future. Nobody does. But the, the parts that we want to talk about today is that the put some facts in here. Let, let's look at some numbers and some facts to say where the U.S. economy really is and where the dollar really is and what it would really take what it would really look like for the dollar to be uh, fall out of favor in the world
0: yeah, and I think I think the conversation I've had with uh, many people, clients as well as prospective clients, is that they seem to have a bias that there is a Chinese, Russian um, Iran North Korea coalition, and there is a real threat to the reserve currency that the dollar enjoys worldwide. And I've got a lot of articles over the last several months that we want to share with people and just the, the information that is really critically important that you understand. And again, the dollar, in our opinion, has no chance of falling out of reserve status. Uh, the political intrigue between the liberals and the conservatives is causing people a lot of angst. But a lot of it is their, is their bias, mm. and their bias is shading what is what I call the facts. you know just give me the facts, man. Mm-hmm. and let, let me make decisions based upon that.
1: Yeah, when you say reserve status, sort of when, you know we're on the same page is, there's a lot of countries that will hold excess currency as a reserve, you know, right. if, if they need um, cash quickly, if they anything they might need. So a lot of countries around the world, the u.S, of course, holds u s dollars. But so does a lot of the world. A lot of the world is using U.S. dollars as their reserve currency, and you know, just as to put a a number on it, you know, the yuan, which is China's currency, is currently two point seven five percent of the world's reserves. Two point seven five. Now, folks, listen to that. Two point seven five. Not a significant number. No. Um, And that includes China. That includes everybody um, of of who is included in this, who's holding reserves. And there's a number of reasons why. And everyone I think generally knows that the U.S. is used for oil trade. The U.S. US dollar is used for international trade. It's used for reserves. In
0: fact, it's really important to point out is that on a daily basis, $7.5 trillion are traded daily in transactions. And of that, the last year there was $32 trillion that was traded in global trade. But the dollar is on that side 88% of
1: the time. Right mm-hmm. on one of the sides of the transaction. So people are using dollars. For sure. And the re- reason they do that is if someone went to buy, say, U.S. wheat, You know, they have to pay for it in U.S. Right. dollars. And so they, say they were in Europe somewhere, they would take their euros, trade them for dollars, and then use those dollars to buy U.S. wheat. And it, that happens all around the world on a regular basis, as people are buying dollar-denominated assets, whether it's you know, oil or steel or wheat. Um, and so because of that, people need U.S. Do- dollars, not just to trade with the U.S., but also to trade with each other, because they'll say this is a a common shared currency.
0: And and the simple truth is, is that the Chinese yuan is just not convertible. And even where China has tried to put influence, let's Mm -hmm. say in smaller, in in Eastern Asia, I mean, in Asian countries. In Africa as well, yeah. Yeah, in Africa. Well, they'll use yuan. But what is really what was really telling is that those countries will immediately convert that yuan to dollars mm-hmm. because they know that they can't use the yuan to buy anything significant. Mm-hmm. Nobody will take it. So they immediately convert it to dollars mm-hmm.
1: and exactly. it's used for that. Yeah, And these infrastructure projects that China is funding would be you know, somewhere uh, in, in East Asia or some other country that they would take a loan from China and they would build roads and bridges and ports with it. Uh, but but like you said, they're, they're they're converting these to dollars and using that to fund everything. And so it's it's a it's a picture of how you actually get things done. And then that number you said about the the international um, currency transactions that eighty eight percent of them today are in U.S. dollars, right? If we were to look back in time, and you know a number of people say, well, we're we're on this decline. The U.S. is is fading. It's it, it's changing. Its dominance is right, Yeah. Yeah. So you know, in nineteen eighty nine. The same calculation: the the U.S. made up ninety percent of all world currency transactions, or one side or the other. And today it's eighty eight percent. So a two percent change is is insignificant to say over the last what's this thirty thirty plus years. And, and
0: remember, in that period of time, that China became a part of the world trade. Uh, yeah. Became a favored nation, right? So their economy grew. It grew tremendously.
1: Yeah, I mean, India and China have, have grown tremendously. Right. The U.S. has changed a lot of how we hold jobs, where we hold jobs the world has shifted significantly from 1989 until today um, but in that our economic dominance in being a world currency has barely shifted barely shifted. I think that's a key thing to think about you know the strength that when people think back to 1990 the strength that the US had in the world and then comparing that to today say as far as the reserve status and the use of the dollar as a world currency it, it's practically unchanged uh, which is I think a testament of where we are still at today.
0: Yeah. And again, I, I think that politically everybody looks at the news or reads or whatever and they get their biases reinforced. But what I what we want to do today is to really bring back what are the facts? What are the facts? And the dollar is still the king reserve currency in the world. Yeah. And we see no we see nothing that would take that away.
1: Yeah. And and the strength, and that's a good kind of comment, is that the why is it that you know it, there's there's a number of things and a few of them is the, is the our capital markets. So if someone has extra dollars, like you were saying that you want, if, if you can't spend it, if you can't trade it, it's not that valuable. The U.S. currency, the U.S. dollar, can one be traded with other countries, but two, we have the U.S. capital markets, the you know the mm-hmm. stock markets, and oh. that we have a, a depth and a breadth of markets, you know that, that allows um, uh, people to to access funds to trade funds. Also there's transparency you know, because the SEC and a number of regulations that you know take it or leave it whether you like it it allows a lot of oversight and a lot of transparency we we don't have under the table bribes the same way that other countries might and the other two pieces which i think are really key here is why the US has such a dominant currency um it is also our military you we're know, we're not going to be taken over and the dollar just go away by force right, right. And we also have a legal system that if if there is an issue if if there is a um uh, a mistake on the markets. If there is a change, there's a place of courts that people can go right. to internationally. They come to the U.S., bring a court case, and they can recover. And we have a functioning legal system that provides justice. And whether people like our system or not, it's it's stable and right. it's it's powerful as compared to many around the world. Yeah, and again,
0: people, um, you know, they throw stones at our system and they think that we're weak militarily. And there's there's a lot of evidence to point that there is change going on. But when you actually look at the core. Aspects of, and we can, we can, in you know, this radio program, we can go a case after case after case that would show that the dollar is continuing to increase. But more importantly, America, mm. the dominance of America and the overall growth in the last, and we're going back, you know, 30 years. Yep. So if there was a change, a dramatic change in the strength of the US and the dollar, there's been a lot of political intrigue between, you know, now and 30 years ago. Yep. How has that, that had an impact upon right.
1: our overall, right? And what we'll be talking about, and we're going to some of this next, is part of the U.S. economy is that we're not just talking about the absolute figures, have we grown, have we shrunk, but it's saying relative to the world. And we know that China has grown significantly. We know right. that India's economy has grown significantly. We know that the EU continues to grow, but also struggle at times as they go. And so some of the numbers we're going to talk about in just a moment are relative numbers to say what percentage of the world GDP did we make up then, 90, 30 years ago? And what do we make up now? And knowing that everything has increased and we also have increased, but but how much relative to others?
0: Yeah. I mean, I, again, I always come back to it as the standpoint, if, if I'm a criminal and I'm trying to get illicit gains, and I'm going to hold whatever I've made into some currency. Am I going to hold it in yuan or am I going to hold mm. it in dollars? And when they get drug busts, when they do money laundering, guess what they find, folks? They mm. don't find yuan there. They find... Dollars,
1: yeah, yeah, and for a moment, Bitcoin. People thought Bitcoin is going to be the answer there, but there's a number of you know FBI cases where they, you know, had to crack down and run through Bitcoin through the ledger and find out find the people, right? You know, and I think the criminal element has realized it's not. You know, if it's a small crime, you, you know, the FBI may not run you down, but in a big issue, you know, it's it's not secure. It's not stable in the same way that people think. So. You're right, people run to dollars.
0: Yeah, and again, that's one of the reasons why China has cracked down on cryptocurrencies, because it's a way in which to transfer wealth out of mm-hmm. China. Because if you're a Chinese citizen, you can only take out $50,000 of currency. So it's one way to go to... credit. They mm-hmm. they They cut it off at the knees. They said no, because it was a way that the Chinese citizens can transfer wealth out of China and get it into some other country, mm-hmm. like the U.S., like Canada, like yeah. Australia, places like that. So. Yeah.
1: Well, why don't we transition a little bit into the U.S. economy? Um, so GDP, the gross domestic product, right. is a big number that, that, we, that a lot of people use, economists use to kind of measure the, the output. You know, how, what are we doing? What, what are we producing? So in 1990, the U.S. GDP um, made up 30% of the world's output. In today, 2023, we're roughly the same. So that means, despite China's growth, despite India's growth, we used to be thirty percent of the world's output. We're still roughly thirty percent of the world's output, and the
0: world's output has grown. So that yes. means we are a share. We're thirty percent, but it's a much larger number. But we still are
1: maintaining our GDP presence, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And and part of what underpins the dollar, like we talked about, is is you know the strength of our military, the strength of our legal system, but also just the strength of our economy that we are mm-hmm. you know not fading or we're capitalistic. Yeah, that we are continuing to expand. The other important number is the largest in uh, 1990, going back 30 years, the US made up 40% GDP of the G7. That's the, the largest, you know, seven countries. G7 are the largest economies in the world. Yeah. yeah. We were 40% in 1990. Today, we're 58%. And so, okay, so we've actually. Folk, did you hear that?
0: Did you hear that? In the last 30 years of the G7, we've actually increased our dominance as far as our percentage of
1: gross domestic product that we produce. Yeah. It's significant. And, and I think it's. Yeah. You know, again, you think back to 1990. You know how much globalization has occurred. How many factories have gone overseas? Uh, how has that all shifted? But the idea that what we're still producing, whether it's physical goods, internet, in, in, uh, intellectual property goods, um, services that that we are still producing at not just a similar rate um, and percentage of the world that we used to before, but actually we're increasing relative mm-hmm. to others. Uh, it, it, it's, I think it's hard to even, I mean, these numbers you talked about earlier, they're in trillions of dollars. And it's hard for my brain to understand trillions but of dollars.
0: percentages work. I mean, again, we can talk about specific dollars, but percentages, mm-hmm. the dominance that the U.S. has in relationship to the reserve currency we're talking about, but also it's all based upon our gross domestic product. In other words, how much do we produce as yep. a nation? And if you look at the total population of the United States we are a very productive people in fact we're more productive than any other nation on the world you know on a per person basis Mm -hmm. so anyway we're going to continue this conversation there's a lot of details in fact we're not going to be able to get through everything because there's just so much information but stay tuned to us we're going to continue our conversation about the dollar and the strength for the future 8371 or visit me randy barkley at retirementunlimited.com advisory services offered through tricord advisors incorporated
1: a registered investment advisor clearing through td ameritrade member finra sipc msrb am 590 the answer
0: welcome back uh jeremiah and i are having a discussion about the dollar's dominance and more importantly america's dominance within the world economy And what's really interesting is that most Americans, if you were to ask them, in fact, four-fifths, based on the last survey that we looked at, believe that their children are not going to have as good of a standard living as what they're experiencing, or they're even their grandparents. And people believe that America is in decline. Now, the facts are, America is not in decline, is
1: a Jeremiah. Yeah. No. And, and it's, it's politically, they're, they're not. I mean, we are growing, we are increasing. We talked about the last section. We'll talk about that a little more. It's politically um useful to claim that that we're in a mess and we need to move forward. I mean, right. Trump, you know, was the, you know, uh, make America great again. Biden came out with the build back better. You yeah, they've they, <laughs> they all the same messaging to say, hey, we're in a bad spot. We need to grow, we need to change. Trust me, I can do it. You know, different parties, different different ideas, but same similar type of a message. And I, I, I think it's unfortunate that that is such a permeating political message. Well, it is, it's is such a lightning rod, and
0: yeah. and it creates feelings on both sides of the of the aisle, right? So
1: politically, it's yes, it's politically useful. So people sure. use that, but I think it soaks into our psyche a little. Of saying we are on the precipice of of danger, of death, of falling apart, and you know, where where do we go from here? And and some of the numbers, I mean, we have so many that we want to talk about, but um, a, a few of them is to say, when you look at like the the, the U.S. standard of living, we'll just take that as a normal one, the, the income per person, you know, what we're experiencing as a nation and, uh, you know, it, it, what we can buy, the things we have access to have, have shifted over time. But right now, if you're going to take France, which is a, a, a first world developed country, um, they their income per person is similar to the, it's $50,000 a year. Which is similar to what we have in Mississippi. Mississippi, and Mississippi
0: is probably the lowest rank it on, is, the, on it, a per it's capita. The,
1: it's the lowest in the U.S. So the, France, as a country, is equivalent to the lowest state in the U.S., which is currently Mississippi. And, and just the the idea that that you know we're 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 light or we're lacking. I mean, we are dominating the amount of income that we're generating per person, and how that's spread out, of course, is is a constant internal dialogue that the U.S. will have. But one of the comments is saying that the lower fifth of our country the people in the lower fifth, the lowest 20%, they've risen 74% increase compared to 1990. And that's significant compared to Great Britain or other developed countries that our our lowest levels are all coming up. And our our highest levels are doing fine. And I think we feel, and people acknowledge, the middle class is having a squeeze.
0: Yeah, again, I think there's a a lot of issues on middle class. We've talked about that taxation and the cost, inflation hits. But again, what's really interesting is at that lower end there's been a significant increase yeah. in their standard of living over the
1: last 30 years. Yeah, they're right? all moving together. And that middle-class squeeze, I mean, that's what, I mean, I think that's where most people are, and that's what we feel. And right. the, the danger, I think the psychological danger, is to take what you're feeling and push that onto the entire economy to say, I'm feeling tight, I'm feeling squeezed, therefore the economy of the United States is about right. to fall apart. Right. Well, that's not that true by any means. I mean, the U.S. economy is so strong and so dominant in the world um, that, that we can afford. I mean, an example being the S&P... Um, 500. You know, if, if we look at the S&P 500 and 1500, these these big stock indexes, um, except for COVID, you know, the times after COVID 2021 or so when we spiked up really high, 2022, we had some really high levels. If you took that out, we are at all time record highs. Right. of where the market is, nobody talks about that. Nobody feels that. They feel right. like the market is it's it's fallen. It's you know what's going to happen next? Is a recession coming? But if you just pull up a chart, you know, anyone can do this. You look at a chart of the S and P over the, the last. uh Ten years, you know, last two decades, and we are far and away the highest spots that 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 we have been, and and no one realizes that. And and part of I think a, a number. Yeah, of I years- mean the
0: article here that I'm looking at right now. If you had invested a hundred dollars in the S and P 500 in 1990, now that's going back 30 years, right? Yeah, that's only three. That hundred dollars now would be worth two thousand dollars today. That yeah. is a phenomenal growth over a 30 year period.
1: Yeah, and that equates to what you could have bought as far as a stock, the amount of a business you could buy then that same amount of a business, you know, a couple of shares, where that is now, like that's the amount of growth of productivity, the growth of ability, the growth of value that, that we've experienced. Right. And you know, I, I think it's, it's so easy to get caught up in what's happened the last one, two, or three years.
0: And what most people think is, okay, that was great in the past, but now it's gonna end. Yeah. It is, it's now gonna change going forward. The next 30 years are gonna be different than the last 30 years. And my response is, yeah, it's gonna be different, but will America's economic prowess change mm-hmm. so significantly that you'll be work, that you will have less in thirty years than what you have right now right yeah. and yeah. My, and my response is no, no. Uh, yeah. unless, but, unless unless you create problems for yourself,,
1: yeah, yeah, unless your own choices and right the, the The part you started this section with is is what people think for their kids. you know are their right. kids going to be worse off and i I don't know if we are at a moment of pessimism or just that the world is changing. Um, you know, we are in a better living standard than we have ever been. Right. And we will not go too deep in this, but I just want to mention a couple of things, you know, tech wise, you know, we all have iPhones, you know, the iPhone in my power or, or whatever Android, whatever you have phone, you like, like smartphones. The phone? Yeah. the phone in my pocket is so significantly more advanced than computers in the 1990s. The things I can do, the things I connect with my house has wifi. I'm sure your does as well. That so we live in a world where we have computers and Wi-Fi. we have smart homes Amazon, I can get almost anything delivered. Instacart, you know, that's groceries. And we're just walking into AI, you know, this artificial intelligence, what that will mean. Which
0: is scary for a lot of people, but at the end of the day, it's going to have dramatic impact upon yeah,
1: how businesses are functioning. My, my parents made a comment a while ago, of, um, uh, Uber also, you know, delivering you, <laughs> but Instacart delivering your groceries, Amazon delivering things, Uber helping you get around. They were just saying there's no generation that has been Better to be aging in than right. this current one. To be independent, to do as you will. Now, to be doing this without any resources, that that's still tough as it has always been. But to have resources to engage in these things, and we're not even talking about the the medical improvements. You know, the things that that used to be incurable or life sentences have now become a treatable condition. So the 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 living, the standard of living that we experience relative to the '90s is significant, and the standard of living that I anticipate that our our, our kids will will see is. I think we have this, this cloud of doom to say, right, you know, right. it it's all sounds great, but man, the robots are coming or, or the international <laughs> countries are coming or, you know, something is coming. In. And the reality is that our economy is so strong and stable that those things will come, right? AI will be an issue. Countries will have geopolitical intrigue, right. but our economy will continue on and we have a great strength. Um, one of the items too that I think is really interesting is that we have our own workforce and we have a, a third more people than we had in 1990. A third more. A third more. So what we had in 1990 increase that by a third. We, that's what we have today. So we have more people in the workforce. We have a stronger force. But of that, countries like Japan, they only have 3% immigrants that have come to their country and are working. They don't have that added fuel, <laughs> you know, that added increase. Whereas the U.S. right now, we have 17% of our workforce is immigrants. And so we have a constant pull from the brightest and best around the world are coming to the U.S., and I, I mean, I see this as, as rocket fuel, right? And people have different choices on immigration and how and when, and that's a really valid discussion. But as an economic engine, like we have our own people who are working and growing and being educated and being amazing. We also have immigrants coming from the whole world coming in to help fuel this growth. And that is not slowing down.
0: No, in fact, the interesting part about it, in fact, what kind of uh, created the impetus for this whole discussion here today, as I read an article, Wall Street Journal and about a a person from China that was trying to immigrate and get into the United States. He was not a wealthy individual, but he felt like his his ability to grow had pretty much stopped. Mm. And he said, for me and my family, I wanted to get into a country. And he was coming up through South America. Mm. He had somehow got to South America, and he was literally walking up to the border of the United States and going through phenomenal personal sacrifice to get into the United States Because he knew that once he got in here,
1: he probably was going to have a better outcome than if he remained in China. And and folks like that that are hardworking, willing to to build and to grow and not saying, oh, I want to enjoy the system. Because really, if you just want to enjoy the system, you should have gone to France, right? Right. (laughs) Or some other more socialistic type country. But to say, I'm coming to the U.S. because I can work and I can grow and I can provide for my family. I mean, that that's the kind of immigration, I think, that fuels our country.
0: We but, ha- we have so much stuff that we could spend more time talking about, couldn't we? I mean, yeah. it's just amazing.
1: But I think to, to kind of wrap up this as we're running out of time, but to say, you know, our our dollar is world dominant. And in part of that, a big part of that is because our our country, our country's engine for productivity is world dominant. Yeah, for sure. And they will not be um, changing that in the future. You know, we have so much strength. We'll continue on. If you'd like to talk to us
0: about this, we'd be more than happy to engage in meaningful conversation about the dominance of the dollar and the strength of the U.S., of America. Um, We try to bring you facts and information so that you can make good, proper decisions about your financial life. Until next week, folks, may you grow in wisdom and knowledge. Thank you for listening. California license number zero five one eight five six seven. And Jeremiah Lee is a California licensed attorney and is responsible for this communication. Advisory services offered through TriCourt Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisory firm.
1: Hi, this is Hugh Hewitt. Hey, if you're retired or approaching retirement, listen up. Retirement planning is critical to your financial health, and like choosing the right doctor, your financial planner must be able to understand your concerns, help you navigate through your retirement, which can be filled with uncertainty, volatility. Certified financial planner Randy Barkley has been assisting clients for 30 years by helping them understand all the information that to most of us can be overwhelming. Go to retirementunlimited.org or call Randy Barkley for a no-obligation appointment at 888-627-8371. That's 888-627-8371, retirementunlimited.org. Advisory services offered through Tricord Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisor. Clearing through TD Ameritrade, member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB.